Good morning. Uh, so I'm a, I've been a wreck all worship. This will be fun. Just like getting in his presence and, you know, that logical thinking in your mind that kind of has things in order and what you're going to say and maybe what you have been meditating on just gets all scrambled up in the whirlwind of the spirit. And that's good. And that's a good thing. Because that makes me trust a little deeper. <laughs> one, more, one more thing about my worship experience this morning. I'm going to watch out for that. <laughs> just, just that thought, just getting wrecked. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, God, you're doing a real good thing in my heart. I feel so much peace. I had one kid come up with a Lego crisis and start, and start crying at me. And then I go back and then a little guy, we can't figure out why he's screaming. And then I got to come up here and speak with some, with some child-related stress. Amen. Thank you, God. Make me trust a little deeper. Um, so worship team uh, was amazing. I'll keep going on that for a second because they actually, they actually taught my sermon in song. And I, and I, wonder, I wonder who's already where I want to take you in this sermon, in this teaching. And if you are there, if, if you're there and you're hearing my words and it's resonating, like be happy about it. Like tell your mouth and, and say amen or hallelujah or something, right? We, <laughs> we serve the author of life. But sometimes I hang around my Christian friends and they don't even know how to have a good time. Hey, 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 there we go. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> oh, there was a party and I wasn't there. Maybe that's it. Mercy, God, mercy. One line, one line. I'm going to start with this one line in worship. I actually wrote it down right in the middle of the song. It was just, we were just worshiping and then this line came and I was like, oh, there it is. So I wrote it down and then we'll get into the teaching. But here's the line. We're transformed by this one thing, to know your presence and see your beauty. Hang on to that. We're transformed by this one thing. Not we are transformed by many things, and here's one of them. Right? Come on. We're transformed by this one thing. So why do, why do we have so many pursuits for our transformation? Ask yourself that question. Why? I'm not where I want to be. Okay, anybody? Thank God I am where I am and he's brought me here, but I'm not where I want to be. Anybody else? Okay, so everybody else made it? You're there? You're good? No, we just got tired shoulders? Okay. So, if we have this goal, if we have this desire for change and we are transformed by this one thing, where are you putting your energy? How are you pursuing change? What consumes your mind? I titled this message, It's a Spark. It's a spark. Actually, God gave me this message on February 10th. 
because I wrote it down in my journal and I knew, I knew. He just spoke it to me and I knew it was for the next time I was invited to speak. So let's just, you know, stretch our imaginations a tiny bit and say God's been planning for these words to hit your heart for roughly three weeks. But let's maybe stretch a little bit beyond that and say, oh, you know what, God, he's outside of time. He knows the beginning from the end. And he's actually been planning for this bit of truth to land in your life longer than you can even conceive in your mind. Like, let's just, let's just, try, and, let's just try and abandon our carnal minds here this morning. Just enough, just enough to accept the idea of a supernatural God and all that's possible with him. Let's just, let's just leave, let's just leave that, you know, and let's just, let's just tiptoe into it. I'm not saying, change your mind. I mean, I don't know about your parents. My parents tried that a little bit when I was a teenager. It didn't work great. <laughs> oh, what a word this morning from Wendy. Man, before, before the update, she came up and she's talking about just, Laying, surrendering just that little bit more, just that little bit, like ask Holy Spirit with that little bit. You know what he told me? I didn't even know I was carrying this weight. Man, I got, I got really weepy. It was my kids. My children. I was carrying the burden of their, of their integrity. I'm, I'm just being really real here. I was shouldering the burden of my children's integrity. And to be honest with you, I, I probably still am. There's probably a bit of a process in front of me for the Lord to continue working what he started this morning. My children's integrity. Because when I try and shoulder their integrity and it comes by way of discipline and it's on me and my strength, my patience is about this long. And I see it almost every day. He showed me. I look back yesterday, the day before, the day before, the day before. That was a weight. And I felt some slip off. We got to understand what burden is ours and what's the Lord's. If we get that wrong, we're stuck. And it's, guys, it is so simple. It confuses us. It is so simple that it confuses us because our life is real loud and speaks a ton of different things. Things that sound right. Things that sound right to a man. Who keeps it? Who's the, uh, Dan Mole, he always says that. All of his podcasts and stuff, he's like, sounds right to a man. Doesn't mean it's truth. I better get into this. Hallelujah. Um, review. Just what Janine was saying. So the message, the message I feel like has been so prevalent for the body lately, especially lately, is the message of freedom. Because there's an acceleration in the spirit. There's, there's been so much happening. It's been crazy. God needs his people free. He needs his people free. And I'm talking like 
God had been downloading on me in my quiet times about freedom and giving revelation on freedom. And then I turn on whatever on YouTube, uh, whether it's, I don't even care, Bill Johnson or, or Stephen Furtick or any, anybody who's got like a significant presence online with sermons and teachings. And everybody's kind of teaching this message, this message of freedom and breakthrough. And there's been this like unknown collaboration in the body of Christ just hammering on this message right now. God needs his people free. And, and I, the, the, the message that God's given me about freedom is just, like, this is what's been real for me in my life is that it has to cost me something. Now hear me, don't walk out the door yet. What do you mean? It's free. Yeah, it's free. But did you know that value and price are synonymous? Value and price are synonymous. If, a, if I was going to buy a car and someone goes, hey, wait, before I knew I was going to buy the car, they look at me and they're like, hey, this is car, this is the car of your dreams, right? I'm like, yeah, that's the car of my dreams. It's the right color. It's the right style. It's the right whatever else. It's got, you know, it's got that big puffy thing on the steering wheel. That is the car of my dreams. They're like, well, what do you think it's worth? Oh, you know, $50,000. I think that's what that car is worth, $50,000. Then they go, hey, do you want to buy it? And if I was able, I'd be like, okay. I'll give you $50,000. That's the price, but it's also the value. It's the value that I perceived. So Jesus explains this in Matthew. Matthew, um, I have it written down here. I'll go back. Matthew 11, Matthew 13, sorry, Matthew 13, 44. And he talks about the man who stumbled across a treasure in the field. Okay? The man, he was walking through a field and he came across a treasure. (laughs) Sweet. I guess no one else owned this land yet, or maybe, but they didn't know the treasure was there. Ooh, maybe that's another message. Anyway, he stumbled across this treasure, and he goes, oh my gosh, this treasure's amazing. This treasure is more than I could scratch up in my lifetime. So he hid it. (laughs) I imagine this guy frantically digging a hole. I don't know whose field this is, but oh my goodness, I was just out for a stroll. And he hid it and he went and he sold everything. He came back and bought the field to have it. What did it cost him? It cost him everything. But the value he perceived in the treasure was worth it. Freedom. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like I'll tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like in one word as well, freedom. It's for freedom's sake that he sets you free. So it's about our response to love, is it not? It's about our response to that love. Um, in John 5, 5 through 8, and I know I, I know I had this same scripture last time, John 5, 5 through 8, 
It's the story of the paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. And Jesus walks in. Jesus walks in. And he, he goes up to this guy and it says he's known that he'd been there a long time. He'd been laying there for 38 years. 38 years, paralyzed on the deck of this pool. Just laying there. Dang. Jesus walks in and he goes up to this man and he says, hey, do you want to be healed? And in the the Passion Translation, uh, Dr. Simmons has a footnote in there and it actually, he describes how it can be translated in the Aramaic and it says, and it's the tense, sorry, it's the tense of the word that he uses can actually be translated, do you want to receive the healing that's already yours? That's That's the translation from the Aramaic in that scripture. And you know what the guy's response is? It's pathetic in a sense. He has nothing to give Jesus back. He has no confidence. He has no hope. He has no strength. He is downcast, downtrodden, absolutely desperate, but depressed. He says, how can I? How can I be healed? Anytime the angel comes and stirs, you guys know the, the story of the pool? The angel comes and stirs the water. First person to jump in the water would receive their healing. Every time the water stirred and I scrambling to get there, I'm doing my army crawl, someone else jumps in ahead of me. That's, what, that's his response. He doesn't give, but, but thank you, Jesus. I'm believing. I'm believing for a healing. He doesn't, well, he wouldn't have known. Healing is in the name of Jesus at that point. But that was his response. And Jesus' response is so simple. And here's where I'm going to finish the review of freedom and talk about what's next. Jesus' response is simply, stand up, pick up your mat, and stay there for a while and think about the last 38 years. Has anybody confessed lately to be a sinner saved by grace? All right, I am. Well, here, here, don't, don't jump too quickly on that one. I am a sinner saved by grace is different than I was a sinner. Jesus didn't come and rescue us and leave us there. Jesus didn't die on the cross and stay dead. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. Atonement. The blood was shed. He didn't stay dead. It's time for us to wake up. It's about what's next. It's about the walking on. So, okay, enough. You know what? We don't have time. We don't have time to keep circling the mountain. You're free? Are you free? All right, let's move on. 
If you keep coming back here in your bondage, you and the Holy Ghost need to have a serious session. It's for freedom's sake he set us free. Not to remember and stay just on the other side of stuck. When you're free, what do you do? You run unhindered. So let's walk on. And here's the message. Here's today's message. I've been so excited for this. The burden, the burden of sanctification and holiness is not mine. The burden of sanctification and holiness is not mine. Write it down. The burden of sanctification and holiness is not mine. I called this message, it's a spark. It's a spark that moves us to Christ-likeness. That burden is not mine. It's not yours. I got to open up the Bible now after saying something like that. Let's go. First Peter 1, 13. We're going to go 13 through 16 because I think, I think this is where religion got a lot of its teaching about God giving you his righteousness and then you moving on from that. And you moving on in self-discipline and, 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 and self-effort and, and, and getting more holy because he did this. And man, if I don't, I'm not honoring God, so I better. Like, this sounds silly coming out of my mouth. This sounds absolutely stupid. But you know how many of us live this out? It's all about surrender. It's all about what we've been singing this morning. I'm not going to get too far out of myself. First Peter 1, 13. So then, prepare your hearts. Actually, when I, when I open the scripture, it's titled in my Bible, A Call to Holiness. I thought it was fitting. Um, it says, so then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. I am reading from the Passion Translation. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. We're going to pause there. Um, I I need class participation. Because to me, when I just read that, 13 through 16, it makes an impression on me. Anybody? Any impression? Does any, anybody bold enough to say, this is what it kind of says to me? Anybody? Yes. Amen. Okay. Love it. That, that says nothing about self-reliance, so you are absolutely on point. To me, that original, that text in any translation, I'll read that. And there are certain words that pop out to me. It says, fix, shape. There's another one in here. Prepare, stay alert.
Those words stick out to me. And that, to me, if I just, if I just go so far, if I just go to 16 and I stop, and I'm, okay, okay, I'm going to fix God. I'm going pre- to fix my eyes. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to stay alert. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do these things. I can absolutely begin to walk in my own strength on those things because those are things that me as a man needs to do, right? Okay? But we don't stop there. See, the, the issue is, the issue is, is that I grew up, there's some, some people in here that have not grown up in the church. And like, what an advantage. What an advantage. Because religion has taught me that righteousness was God's part and holiness is mine. I get, I get that I walk it out. But that does not mean that I carry its weight. We need to be free from that. Man, what a shackle. What a shackle on the body. That's just leaving the body depressed, confused, frustrated, and tired. And impotent. We need a revelation. Man. I wrote this down and I I underlined it because I really wanted to say it. Here we go. The state of holiness is my privilege to walk out as a steward of grace in a position of rest. Okay, I'll say it again. The state of holiness is my privilege to walk out as a steward of grace in a position of rest. Not my mantle to bear through boundaries, self-effort, and self-discipline. I tried that. Ooh, I tried that. I tried that. All that left me was embarrassed and ashamed and tired and grumpy. And conflicted because my conduct over time would not match my confession. So I had to reconcile the two somehow. And usually the enemy, that's when the enemy likes to poke his nasty little face in there and go, hey, what's going on here, man? This is what you're saying. This is what you're doing. Maybe you should just keep this behind closed doors so that this can be who you are because he knows he's got you. If you agree there, oh, you be careful. Thank God for his Holy Spirit who communes with us in those places. He will break in and shine a light and your burden of choice resurfaces. You can choose at that point again. Whole mercy every morning. So let's move on to 17. So this is just after it says, so scripture says, you, you are to be holy because I am holy. 17 says, since you call him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. The fuel, 
17. So you got to read on. You got to read on and you got to understand where does my strength come from? Where does it come from? 17 reveals, reveals the fuel. It says, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. Live each day. So holy awe and reverence, what, is that, what does that sound like? Fear of the Lord, respect. What does that look like? Yeah, relationship. Surrender. What does that look like in action? In action, how do you act out holy awe and reverence? What, what do you do when you're in holy awe and reverence? What are you like in that moment? That's what I'm asking. Anybody? Worship. Okay. Rest. For me, what I see, when I see those words, holy awe and reverence, I see myself in my little prayer spot on my couch by my lamp, crying like a baby. I see, I see me getting up earlier so I can have more time. I see me throughout the day when I feel stress coming on, stopping, start praying in the spirit and confessing the goodness of God over that situation and over my mind. Holy awe and reverence is the fuel that will drive this pursuit of holiness. That is, a, that is a key. Not mustering up and putting in place a bunch of boards with nails in them to keep you from going over the edge. Because all you're going to end up doing is seeing, well, how close can I get to this thing without actually going over If you still don't believe me, let's go to Jesus' words. John 17, 19. And I mean, if you still don't believe that it's not your burden, that's what I mean. Anybody wrestling with that right now? It's okay. You don't have to put up your hand. I know you're out there. John 17, 19. Oh, John 17. Man, what a chapter. What a prayer. Jesus says, and now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And be made holy by your truth. First of all, be fully dedicated to God. If someone, if someone is going to walk out full dedication to the Lord, what must they see in doing that? Great value. Great, great value. Like a treasure in a field. Great value. Fully dedicated to the Lord. And be made holy by your truth. Not, and I was going to do that thing where I was like, and made holy by their great strategic planning and sufferance and really cool boundary making skills. Let them walk out their thankfulness for your righteousness, Lord, in that. Amen. No. We've been made holy by your truth. Okay, so why truth? Why truth? What is truth? What is truth? Love it. 
the first time I heard this, I was like, what? I think I heard it on um, God is Not Dead, that movie that came out before I actually was saved. (laughs) I was going to church every Sunday, though. He said, when they interviewed the guy, maybe it was God Not Dead or one of those. They interviewed him, his church burnt down. And they were asking him about the truth. And he said, truth is a person. I was like, (laughs) sure. Truth is a person. Why is truth a person? Besides him saying it is, which makes it in fact true. Yes. (laughs) But why? Why? Why is the fact that Jesus saying that he is the way, the truth and the life make it truth? I got a scripture for that one too. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the divine portrait of the invisible God. He's the exact likeness of creator God incarnate. When was the last time the clay looked up at the potter and said, that's wrong? Right? Right? <laughs> If that's happened to you, <laughs> stop drinking whatever you're doing when you're. <laughs> when was the last time the book told the author, hey, you got this line wrong? You see, Creator God made everything that you see, feel, touch, sense. There's nothing, nothing that he did not make, which makes him absolutely true. And Jesus is a divine portrait of that God, his father incarnate. And we are to be made holy by the... But I've been, I've been... Let me, let me pretend I'm sitting there. But Tyler, I have been told that I need, I need really, really great boundaries and structure and self-discipline. I've been told that that's what I need to get from, to where I want to go. I need to have these things and I need to learn how to, how to foster these, these skills in my life. Okay, first of all, I'm not knocking any of that stuff. I want you guys to know that. As a person who's come out of addiction in my life, who's had to walk through instilling boundaries and walking with accountability and practicing self-control, I'm not knocking those things. But those things are seasonal. Because freedom does not have borders. They're meant to take you to the next step. It is the truth that makes us holy. So what is your burden in this? So what what is your burden in holiness and sanctification? What is yours? If it's not the burden of actually doing it, but just walking it out as a steward of grace in a position of rest, 
What is mine in this equation? It's the same burden, the only burden that Jesus has ever asked of you. Yeah, give you a minute to sit on that one. Choice. How do you respond? Complete surrender is the only burden that is yours in this equation. Why? I love this. I love, okay, so I'm trying to walk you guys through. Am I making sense? Is this resonating? I, I bet you, I bet you there are a few people in here like this guy is crackers. Like, man, oh, pff, my pastor for 30 years would, is going to reprimand this dude. He's getting an email. I'd prefer a handwritten letter if you don't mind. Make you work for it. The only burden that come that is mine is complete surrender. Why? Okay, so this might sound a little redundant, but why? Why is my only burden complete surrender? What are we called to live? What, what are we governed by now on this side of the cross that differs from what we were governed by before the cross? Grace, thank you, grace. We are governed by grace. We are no longer governed by the law. We are governed by grace. And grace comes through. Okay, we got this, someone. Faith, hallelujah. Grace by faith. Faith. Well, where do we get faith? Is there a bucket at the back with some faith in it? I mean, we are at Haven. It could happen. He's going to take some of that and put it in here. Only one handful? What? Thank you. Man, I love it. You guys getting an A for class participation today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10. So my burden is complete surrender. The burden of sanctification is complete surrender. And that's it. Why? Faith. Why faith? So that grace can come and move you faster, better, smarter, quicker, stronger than you could ever do on your own. You see, hearing the word of God is not turning your Bible app on audio and letting it play while you do the dishes. Nothing wrong with that. That's not hearing the word of God. See, what, what the Lord showed me is that hearing the word of God is actually a revelatory experience with the Holy Spirit. I've heard the word of God and I have not heard the word of God while reading the same book. It's the interior man. What's going on in here? Are you reading the pages but thinking about lunch? Are you hearing with the spiritual ears inside? And sometimes it takes that silly kind of discipline where you're just like, hey, I'm going to read it till I believe it. 
and you are just kind of spinning out, reading the word. But you know what's happening if you're committed to doing that? This is already changing because you've committed to doing that. Hallelujah. He can use it all. He can use it all. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And hearing the word of God is a revelatory experience with the Holy Spirit. We are to experience God in his fullness, it says in Ephesians. Experience. Not through somebody else, not through some great preacher on YouTube, not through my cousin who's in Africa. Like, we are to experience, it's personal, it's a relationship every single time. And that hearing the word of God is fostered through intimacy. These are keys. These are keys because there's so, like, listen, I got empathy for anyone in this room, no matter where you're at, because I've probably been there. I'm not trying to make my story all great or whatever, but I've just, I've been through a lot of stuff. I don't know. There's been a lot of stuff in my life. I've walked through it. Like if you're sitting there and you're going, okay, great, Tyler, thanks. I don't know how to not carry this burden. I've always carried it. I've always thought that I needed to do something so that God's plan could be complete. Like it was without me, he was in a conundrum because he didn't know how his plan was going to work because I didn't put in my effort. There's a difference. You walk it out, but are you walking it out in a position of rest or strife? Yeah, okay, it's on me. Obedience is on me. But when I'm in love and I know him, obedience is not a grind. It is not a burden. It's a light yoke. That's what I'm talking about. Intimacy. So, I just better read this out so it's like, kind of makes sense. Hearing the word of God is a revelatory experience with the Holy Spirit fostered through intimacy that results from a realization, a revelation that without him, I can do nothing. John 15, five. Because I believe history about me. I believe his story about me. That he created me for perfect relationship to be one with him. I fell, talking about man, I fell and he sent the savior to restore me back to what was lost. I believe history about me and I can do nothing without him. Like when you get that, when that hits your heart, you're like, oh, I don't even know how I breathe without you, Lord. Like it is so convicting. No, I like this one. See, in our own efforts, we try to lay things down And we try to do it without changing the paradigm in our minds that's fed from the belief in our hearts. And it doesn't work. You try to lay something down that you don't like in your life. But that action is coming out of you. You're trying to lay it down and not deal with the paradigm in your mind that comes from a belief in your heart. It will never work. You will only hold your breath as long as you can. 
Does that make sense? All right. This one's sharp. Hold on. In our busy, distracted, wealthy, North American convenience-loving, storage locker-keeping lives, we divorce hearing his voice for a set of rules, of boundaries and ought-tos. And then that just leads us into some form of legalism that will never save us. We divorce hearing his voice. That's why there's so many rules in the church. That's why you grew up getting taught, do, don't. Well, man, if I read Genesis, knowledge of good and evil came because of sin. Why are we teaching that? Right and wrong. Like you know the motivations of someone's heart. You need to kick right and wrong out the door. And just focus on what's right, what's good and holy. Philippians 4. We divorce hearing his voice because we're so freaking distracted and so busy that we can't give the time to get to know him. Oh man, I wasted so many years of my life. And I, I, I know I got gray coming in, but it could have been browner. Like I got stressed out. But let's, let's, let's talk about how merciful he is in this context. Like, thank God. Thank, so, okay. Through our own distraction and our own whatever, our own misunderstanding, our own effort, our own this, our own that. I'm carrying this burden, God. You got that one, thank you. But this one's mine. What do we do? We screw it up. Every time. Like, if you think, no, not me. I've been doing good. <laughs> Round the corner. We screw it up every time. But guess what? Even then, even then, he is like his love. Like if, you, if you think of his love in this context, this crazy love that never seeks its own, it's just, even then, even after God, I said I was going to give it to you and I didn't for the hundredth time. And it landed me in a trial. Even then he'll use it. Because what happens in that trial? Rather than you through surrender, letting some things go, they get torn out of your hands and it hurts. Because it's not your decision, it's forced on you through trials and circumstances. But God can use that. Because guess what? Whether you dropped it or whether it got ripped out, your hands are empty. And you can actually hold what he has for you in that place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you don't come into that scenario and say, see, I told you so, dummy. Have fun with that. No, but we act that way. Well, I gave him three chances. In our own strength, there's an end to the rope. There's always an end to the rope. For some people, it's one foot. For some people, it's a thousand feet. 
but there's an end. His rope's a circle. See, true faith, listen, true faith can be sustained in a trial with peace that passes understanding because you know who Abba is, right? The word says, in this life, you will face sorrows. You will face hardships. But you can sustain true faith in that trial because you know who Abba is. If you do not know who he is, it's not a trial anymore. It's a personal crisis. Those things are different. Those are exclusive definitions. Trial, personal crisis, they are not one and the same. But they can be the result of the exact same set of circumstances. It just depends on how close are you to Abba. How much do you know him? Have you given him your time? Have you made that choice, that simple choice to, of, of recognizing that my burden is complete surrender so that I can get to know you, God, so that no matter what may come, I can trust in your character. And I know that you'll never leave me, never forsake me, even though all this crazy stuff is happening and, I, and I'm, I'm, the, the temptation's there to feel abandoned like Peter standing around the fire. Man, he's scared of a little girl. Like the spirit of abandonment is like this big thing, but it's a wimp. But now you know. Now you know if you spend time with him, you know he'll never leave you. You are not abandoned. So that trial, guess what? All of a sudden you're not swearing when you're reading James 1. Whatever, James. Great words. What do you know? You don't know what I've been through. You're like, oh, I get it. I can find joy in this thing. I can find joy in this thing because I know that my hands are emptied by it. And I know that he can do something that for whatever reason, God, I couldn't find the strength to do without this situation. So use it. It's, it's building character. It's pushing me into holiness. It's positioning me for that spark that's going to ignite that flame. Make you hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Without pressure, where's the refinement? Without heat. You see, this thing can be easily changed. You can change your own mind about the same topic eight times in five minutes. You guys got over-the-range uh, microwaves at home with an oven here, right? Over-the-range, range. range. Okay, over the range, range. Easily changed. Beep. Oh, I shouldn't have put licorice in there. It stinks. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really random old memory. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> but in your oven, especially you got a, okay, I got a gas oven at home. In your gas oven, when you turn that thing on, you hear this. And you got to let it sit there. I set it to 450. This is going to take 15 minutes. My microwave, beep. And uh, dumb idea, let's take that out. But it's got to sit there. 
It's going to warm up. What happens when you have a room temperature oven? You can put any old thing in that oven you want. You put your hand in there. You can put your dog in there. Weirdo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, could put, you could put combustible material in a room temperature oven. But when that oven's at 450 degrees, you're not putting anything in there. Because what's in there is all consuming. But it takes time. It takes that choice. You have to surrender. That's your burden. You want holiness and you want sanctification. We talked about freedom. Thank God, we're free. Amen. Next, what now? The walking on. See, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't have to tell him to walk to prove his healing. The fact the dude stood up. Healed. (laughs) He hadn't stood up for however long, 38 plus years. He was at the pool for 38 years. He said, and walk. Walk and not grow weary. Don't faint. How? That burden is not yours to carry. I'm going to finish with this. So what is a spark? For those of you who have been writing down the notes, it's the revelation that you are the righteousness of God. It's hearing God tell you who you are. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's hearing God tell you who you are. Man, when you get that moment, or maybe you need that moment again, it will absolutely change the trajectory of your life. You'll feel, you'll feel like you can run forever and not faint. You're going to have people telling you, whoa, you better slow down. You're going to get burnt out. Thanks, Ishmael. No longer am I governed by the law, but I'm governed by grace, and I know how to access this. His people perish for lack of knowledge. So get it. Spend time with him. Let him give it to you. I thought I was going to end there, but I'm not. This is found in the proximity of oneness. Intimacy. Write that down. Proximity of oneness. And just riff on that for a month. Here, here's a picture. I'll leave you guys with a picture. Because that'll stay with you, I know. All the rest of this rambling, I don't know. I'm going to leave you with this picture. And they were singing it. Oh, man, this, I love when God does this. This whole morning, it's just been so connected in spirit. They're singing about the spirit being wind. The spirit being wind. And living water. So think about this. A dandelion does not get tired blowing in the wind. A dandelion will not get tired blowing in the wind. It'll just float around, dropping its seed, and not grow weary. A lily in the river will not go where the water is going in strife. 
it will just go. The Holy Spirit is wind. Truth is living water. John 16, 33. And I'm, uh, worship team, where are, you, where are y'all? Yeah, you. Thanks, man. This is Justin, not you. Justin, you? John 16, 33. Here it is. Jesus' words. You got a problem. You know who to talk to. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. When was the last time you were laying on a hammock and you needed to have great confidence? Seriously, think about it. When was the last time you were laying on a hammock and you had to have great confidence? Never. So why, why do you need to have great confidence as you rest in him? Because in obedience, you're doing great exploits for his name. And it's not easy. You will need to have confidence as you walk with the Holy Spirit and rest in the truth that makes you holy. And he goes on to say, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous for I have overcome the world. Oh, what a good, what a good word. We're going to sing this song, have it all, because I think we need to give up the idea that God needs us to pick up the other half of the barbell. We need to lay some burdens down. We need to surrender a few things. And I was just, I was meditating on this a little this week. And then this song came on my worship playlist and it melted me. There's a congruency in the spirit of this message and this song. And so we usually close in some kind of ministry time. What I want you guys to do is I want you to, right now as the worship team sing sing along, dance, lay on your face, whatever, whatever you want to do, but just talk to him, talk to him. That burden for that sanctification, that burden for holiness, I'm not talking to a room of hypocrites, you guys want it, you want it, but you're tired and you're stuck and you're whatever. Let's give that burden to the Lord. Let's reject some, some bad theology that's maybe been planted in our minds. Or let's, let's dismiss what we believe to be true from circumstances. Yeah, but I, I do these things and good things happen. I know many people who do not confess Christ who are successful and do things and make things happen. God is your strength. Always was, always will be. Your burden is to lay it all down and let him have it all. You were never meant to carry it. And he only wants what you were never meant to carry. What a good message. 
What a good truth. Go ahead, guys. <laughs>